And then it went from zero to 100 real quick. Third date, Costa Rica. Look at this. You only live once. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? It's at the early stages of the coronavirus. At the hotel, they were like, we're shutting down, you have to leave. Why the flight's canceled. Guess we're stuck here. Are we supposed to feel bad for these people? Start the show! Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm your co-host, Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. And apparently, at some point, we did the show together, Tom, over and over and over again. But then we decided we needed to take a separation. And it wasn't that we didn't love the audience anymore. <laughs> One of us went less. to Costa Rica. <laughs> Actually, I did not go thing, to Costa Rica. The important thing is that we're back together now. And mm, hopefully, mm -hmm. we'll never separate again, except for all of the times that we definitely separate. <laughs> We came together for you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you. that's why your curfew is 930 sharp. <laughs> that's that. <laughs> hey, Bryce, what, what did we just no see at the beginning? <laughs> that was a trailer for Netflix's upcoming documentary, Longest Third Date. That's streaming on April 18th. It's about two lovebirds who take a third trip, a third date to Costa Rica in March of 2020. Oops. Oops. Uh, they end up stuck in Costa Rica for, uh, I want to say, uh, almost three months. Is this a fictional or faux documentary or reality-ish? It's real. It's 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 a it's it's a real story. Um, I think it's you know they go back and they talk to the couple. Did it wasn't like live, but... and, yeah, yeah. So so there'll yeah. be a lot of like uh, social a media posts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, a lot of that. But that's coming to I, Netflix on April 18. Looks fun. Yeah, I want to know why they didn't leave when the hotel told them to go. Well, I guess the flights and then the. The international I mean, of it all. I, I think don't they know. wanted the to get stuck. Discomfort there. with I driving think. on the Pan American Highway. These are my favorite yeah. Jimmy Buffett songs. Drive, 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 mm. Driving through the cartel lands. Oh, oh, Tom, please save us. Wasting away again <laughs> in Costa Ricaville. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the primary target. Owen Gleiberman over at Variety wrote a piece this past week called Do We Really Need or Even Want a Remake of Vertigo? What's Next? Citizen Kane 2025? Uh, apparently Robert Downey Jr. is in talks to produce and star in a remake of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, uh, which starred uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant. Uh, no, I suddenly can't, can't remember which one it is. Uh, uh, Jimmy if they can. <laughs> Jimmy and Jim, Jimmy Wasted Grant away, I can't see down from high heights. <laughs> if they can't do it to Vertigo, uh, well, basically what he writes is, if they can do it to, it's Cary Grant, thank you, Paolo. Uh, if they can do it to Vertigo, they can do it to anything, and that's a travesty, wrote Gleiberman. He does acknowledge the many remakes of classic movies, including the remake of Vertigo in 1976, uh, which was retitled Obsession at the time. Uh, but he thinks this time is different. So, Brian, if someone were to want Citizen Kane 2025 or even Robert Downey Jr. starring as Jimmy Cary Grant in Vertigo, are they a monster? Let's play a game called Brian and Tom. Present now they're both telling me sides. it was Jimmy Stewart. I'm, I don't trust no, the chat. No, I, I, I mean, look, you were right the moment you said Jimmy 
Cary Grant. I mean, Jimmy Grant is is his name. Uh, but let's play a game called uh, uh, Figure Stewart. Out. It was Jimmy Stewart. Figure oh. out what our real beliefs are uh, as we steel man both sides. Um, okay. I have three uh, double-digit daughters uh, uh, in age. Sorry. <laughs> you have a single digit of double-digit daughters. I, I uh, No, I have three. Uh, you have ten. a single digit of double-digit oh, daughters. Oh, got it. Okay, all right, yeah. All this right. is your metaphor. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. They're all over, they're all 10 or, or older. Uh, correct, and at various times, one of my favorite things about, None having, of them are 100. about having three girls is at various times kind of being able to curate their experience, and sometimes people, they are in the mood to see old stuff, sometimes they're not. There was a really special time, and we talked about it on the show, when Josie, at the age of 12, right before the pandemic, um, was just really into like, Dad, what are good movies? And we went through, you know, the 70s and 80s catalog of Spielberg and so nice. on. Um, uh, there's something truly magical about it when you get to see that spark, that genesis. And uh, there, there's a reason every hippie says of Jimi Hendrix's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner, you had to be there, man. And they're 100% right. There was something truly electric and special about that that can never be uh, recaptured. Like, uh, I, I, I assume somebody at Woodstock 99 played the Star Spangled Banner, and I suppose, and, and, and the, the mere fact that I have no idea who uh, suggests that it was probably not that spark-filled moment, and that maybe that remake wasn't worth it. Uh, what say you, Tom? Uh, yeah, so the first time something's done, it always hits bigger, but the other side of that coin is that those of us who grew up in a world where Jimi Hendrix had always done the Star Spangled Banner did not therefore find uh, electric guitar versions of the Star Spangled Banner to be that impressive because yeah, it's, it's been done, right? So I think, I think that's another point worth thinking about when you're arguing on the Owen Gleiberman side, which I know many of you out there are saying, yes, a good movie is a good movie and you don't need to make it again. Uh, and some of you even argue that it degrades the original movie. If you have the second movie, because if you watch it now that's in your head and it's a lesser experience that you're always going to think of and it's going to pollute your thoughts somehow. And, and in uh, fact, uh, there are a number of people in our audience right now who are hearing this, who were very, very vocal in our Cord killers at gmail.com emails saying that Cowboy Bebop should not be made into a right, live action right. remake. And Absolutely. That we didn't now, need it. Now, uh, Swamp Rat 1965 pointing out The Wizard of Oz was a remake. That's an interesting point. Uh, I don't think Gleiberman is saying bad movies shouldn't be remade. Uh, Gleiberman is saying classic movies, great movies. Genre defining transformational movies. Yes. Uh, so, so it's not that no movies should be remade, but you know, Vertigo, uh, considered one of the greatest films of all time. Was it always, it took a while for the film critics to come around. Gleiberman acknowledges that, but considered to be one of the greatest on the other hand, Brian, when I read this headline and I saw what's next citizen Kane 2025, I thought, I mean, that'd be kind of fun. Like, I don't want to see them do a shot for shot remake of citizen Kane because it's of its time. But if somebody wanted to do a modern remake well, and make fun of, you know, I don't know, instead of William Randolph Hearst, maybe Rupert Murdoch 
or 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 uh, uh, is uh, that uh, called uh, succession? Uh, Are we just seeing Citizen Kane remade or with succession? Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or whatever? Or Citizen Kane 2045 in space. So now we get to the other side of things. Um, I am certain that one of the most magical moments in all of human history was the first time that the Odyssey was spoken aloud around a campfire. And I am certain if we could revive the ghosts of those people, they would say that it never got better than that and you should have been there, man. But I, for one, am glad that we went there many, 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 many times afterwards, constantly iterating, sometimes with great success, sometimes with no, not great success. Uh, this is the nature of humanity. And um, uh, let me give this example, and I think I've given it before. Uh, Peter Lynch's, sorry, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alan Smithy's <laughs> Dune is objectively not a great rendition of an excellent, excellent story. However, it is the first version of Dune I ever saw, and as a result, I loved it deeply, and it caused me to descend into reading the book, playing the video game, and watching all of the remakes since then. And I'm very thankful for some which were good and some which were not, but I'm very glad it was remade. Um, I wouldn't want to take away the opportunity for anybody. Like, there is not much chance my 10-year-old or my 20 or my 19-year-old will watch Citizen Kane right now. Maybe my 15-year-old, but that would be if, if I promised her something in exchange. Um, but, but a 2025 version or a 2045 version, I could at least get her in the door for. So I, uh, I don't know. Um, I, the, the jerk part of me wants to say this is an eye-catching headline and a dumb, lazy take and a bad, uh, a bad take. However, I understand where it comes from, and uh, I agree with the sentiment. However, uh, humanity writ large is not on the side of this. We love certain stories, and we love seeing them updated again and again and again. And yes, we'll never know which ones are going to knock it out of the park, but we have to keep showing up to the plate. Yeah, to me, uh, Gleberman's take is a common take. Uh, I, I didn't really love it either. Uh, I thought I, I would give him credit for doing a good job undermining his own argument in order to try to prove his point. Like, say, you could say this, you could point out that, you could point out that Vertigo was remade as obsession, but here's why I think it's different. So I, I, I think he did a good job of making his argument. Uh, I think what Gleiberman and, and others who agree with him, uh, others of you out there who agree with him, are worried about is that the movie won't be good. Uh, because often remakes aren't, uh, especially if you're doing what Brian has described of, hey, I was there, man, the original was better. Uh, and there, there is that situation where if you haven't seen the original, maybe the second one is fine, is great. Uh, and and you, you are unaware of the original. I know there were movies in the 80s that came out that my parents were like, oh, well, that's just a remake of this you know, under a different name of the same story. Uh, you even have, what is it? Sleepless in Seattle and uh, you've got mail, which are essentially the same movies put out, you know, shortly after, which are both uh, remakes of a classic fifties movie uh, that, that was, I believe starred uh, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart or one of the two. Uh, not joking at that. It, it definitely was one of the two, but again, it's like, 
if the story is good, if it's executed well, that's what matters. So you're worried it's not going to be good or that you won't like it. And that's fair. But that doesn't mean it's wrong to try. Because there are situations where a remake will happen and it will be, even though the first one was great, it will be better. Uh, and, and that's okay. You should let people try and miss. I, I don't think we should say, don't try to remake Vertigo. You'll fail. Uh, say, try and remake Vertigo if you want, but it better be good. Like you, 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 you have a high bar to clear. Yeah. I'm, I may be getting the titles matched wrong, but is it 10 things I hate about you is really taming of the shrew and, um, uh, cruel, ah, there's cr lots of examples like that. Cruel yeah, intentions yeah. Where is actually take Shakespeare or something. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 so, and again, people will say, no, that's a reinterpretation. But on the flip side, when people make this argument, oftentimes they'll point out that, um, uh, the movie, the remake of psycho, the quote, shot for shot remake with uh, Vince Vaughn um, uh, was, was, did nothing to add to it, which uh, at the time made a lot of sense. But I believe I've read a few articles that have indicated that the whole reason that movie exists is because it was a, uh, basically a vaccine. Like somebody's going to try to redo Psycho. Please let us redo it and we'll do it shot for shot and whatever, it'll make your money back because it's psycho, but at least now nobody else can ruin psycho. And uh, so, so there's, there's kind of, I don't know, weird uh, 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 mechanics that are happening in the background on that. Do, do you think that there's space for audiences to say, please don't do this, that, that this idea, hypothetical or not, I'm telling you ahead of time, doesn't resound with me? Well, that's that is definitely what's happening in this article, and yeah. in which case we say, uh, I, I I just tip my hand. It's clear what side I'm on. <laughs> in which case we say, uh, cool, don't watch it. Uh, but it's definitely not actually that's. But that's where that's that's useful information, like for creators for the industry. I mean, if they know, that's a good point. If they I, have an idea that I, audiences I would, don't like something. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say don't anyone say that you don't want someone to make a movie uh, because you're right. That is good, good feedback. On the other hand, there's a difference between Owen Gleiberman saying it in Variety and an audience member saying it on Twitter. Uh, the, those carry different weight. Uh, so I think there's a responsibility that Gleiberman had to make his point better, which I think he met. You know what? To be fair. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know, man. I, I, I think the bigger your platform, the bigger your responsibility to, to make that, that case. And I still think that creators, if they really want to make it, you know, should be allowed to make it. You, you can be allowed to say, I don't want you to make it, but there are some people who are like, and, and I'll be very angry if you try. And that's like, well, okay, well, but you don't have to watch it. Let me, like let me, Brian's. let me counter my own counter example with a counter counter example. Uh, ah, we, we live the famous counter, counter, counter in a wonderful world of the independent creator, which I think of two different axes. I think of a horizon, an infinite land. As far as you can see, anybody can have as much land as they want, but, but not all creators know what to do with it, whether it's on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Uh, and so it's important to kind of build your own town in this infinite real estate. But on the flip side, Another axis is picture a ladder going uh, up and down. Hollywood really is, give or take, a zero-sum game. If one movie is going to remake Vertigo, that means nobody else gets that $20 million budget to remake Vertigo uh, on top of the marketing, on top of that, and all that stuff. So 
if you're in Hollywood land, and Variety is very much a publication of and from Hollywood, then I could understand the argument for if you do this, you're 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 reducing something precious to Hollywood, and you're taking away opportunities from other things. And that's hard for us to hear, being of the internet in the independent land. But I do understand it in the uh, the vertical of Hollywood. Yeah, sure. No, that's a really good point. Uh, I still think I would say you're just saying the bar is really high. If you're going to take that $200 million away from something else, it better be worth it. Because there's no guarantee you give that money to something else and they won't make something original and bad, right? So it, it, to me, it all comes down to... Did you make a good movie? Did you improve on it? Did you give me something extra? That bar is higher to meet when you're remaking a classic like Vertigo. Maybe it's impossible. That's what Gleiberman is arguing. Uh, arguing, but I, I oh, leave Gleiberman some leeway to argument let people try. Is pretty good. Argument, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. Okay, uh, but you know what I mean. Like you get like like you you shouldn't stop people from trying. Uh, you, you, I guess you can discourage them like Bryce is saying, uh, but if they want to try, I, I feel like people should try. Maybe the, maybe you're right. Maybe that is just the independent. I, I don't I know. know. I think, I think that we may have a bias. Everybody cord killers at gmail.com. I think I talked myself out of, uh, we, I went into this convinced that everybody should do everything, but, but truly Hollywood is a zero sum game. It's a ladder. If, if, if you're going yeah, up, there's somebody no guarantee else has to go that down. If, but I, I still go back to there's no guarantee that if you don't make this thing that the other thing you make will be any good. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, Cordkillers at gmail.com. Look, uh, as we all know, long ago, Tom and I walked for 75 days, 37 minutes and two seconds. And we said, no farther. And we looked around the desert and we said, here. And Tom grabbed a golden staff and he stuck it into the ground. And I said, why'd you do that? He said, I don't know. It just seemed cool. And I was like, well, what do we do now? And Tom said, we build a town. It will be called Cord Killers Town. And everybody will work for Cord Killers Bucks that they'll spend at the, co uh, at the company store. And I said, that's not a bad idea, Tom. And the libertarian in me really appreciates where you're coming from. But maybe we could take U.S. dollars. And he says, that's impossible. You remember this, Tom, right? And I said, oh, uh, absolutely. Wait, Every uh, word. Yeah. but it is possible. If people go to patreon.com slash cord killers, they can keep us loud, live and independent. They don't actually have to live in the desert with us or work and spend mm. their money at a company store. Instead, they'll give us real American U.S. dollars. They'll get an exclusive RSS feed. They'll get early access to our after talk or exclusive access to our after talk segment, early access, their own feed to all of our spoiler in time episodes. They'll be keeping us loud, live and independent and they don't even have to live here in the desert and tom was already putting up a pitch tent and he's like go on and i said you know what we don't even have to actually live in the desert to do this and tom scoffed hmm. and then he spat on the ground and i was like what and he said sorry i've, I've had a cold lately you remember that right tom hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was before COVID. So. <laughs> right. And so I was a little bit, I was like, why don't we go back home and just do a show called Cord Killers? And that's how uh -huh. mommy and daddy made you guys. <laughs> yeah, Cord Killers is our website. How I met your co-host. <laughs> Patreon.com uh, slash Cord Killers. Please give us money. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and if you do, we'll tell you how to watch. <laughs> Yeah.
Yanko Rutgers has an article up on The Verge called The Future of TV is Up in the Air. Meaning, double entendre, well done, Yanko. Yanko, I don't know if he, he wrote that headline or somebody else did, but it's good title because it's talking about over-the-air broadcasting and the fact that the future of over-the-air broadcasting is a little indetermined. Uh, ATSC 3.0 is the new broadcast TV standard that offers 4K HDR, Dolby Atmos, and interactive features over the air. Uh, so you you don't just have the one-way signal. ATSC 3.0 is currently available in select markets across the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it's been five years since ATSC 3.0 launched, and it's still not in all the major markets. Uh, it's in about 50 to 75% of households in the U.S., or at least it will be by the end of this year. Not all TVs support it. Sony is the only one putting it into every TV it makes now. Uh, the others are only putting it in its higher-end TVs. And budget TV makers like Vizio aren't supporting it at all yet. Stations are also required to keep their old ATSC 1.0 broadcast going for at least five years after adding ATSC 3.0. Uh, and because of that, they're not adding 4K to the 3.0 signal all the time because they need to they need to save the bandwidth, save the air, save save the money. However, EW Scripps, which owns a lot of local broadcasting television stations, has bought Nuvio and in January 2022 is going to offer an ATSC 3.0 compatible DVR called the Tableau Dual HDMI. Yes, Nuvio makes Tableau and Scripps now owns Tableau. The Tableau Dual HDMI lets you watch and record over-the-air broadcasts as well as stream from popular apps like Netflix and Hulu. Basically, they're trying to make ATSC 3.0 as easy to use as any other app. The Tableau Dual HDMI costs you 250 bucks. You can get it right now, Amazon and Best Buy. Uh, and because it is an ATSC 3.0 compatible DVR, it doesn't matter what TV you've got. It'll send the signal that way. ATSC 3.0 could be a game changer for broadcast TV. It's got the higher quality video and audio. You don't need a cable or satellite subscription to get it. It's free over the air. 18% of TV viewers told market researchers last year they owned an antenna. The CTA expects 8.5 million antennas to be sold this year. Uh, so it's not nothing. However, it remains to be seen how quickly ATSC 3.0 will be adopted by consumers because free television that is supported by ads can come over the internet too. It's called Fast Channels, free ad-supported television. We've been talking about it a lot and its adoption is skyrocketing. Even Scripps is streaming its channels as Fast Channels and plans to launch a fast network before bringing it to over the air later this year. Uh, they're using Fast to prove the network's worth before moving it onto broadcast. Scripps Network Chief Distribution Officer Jeffrey Wolf uh, said in this Verge article, Right now, the best use of our spectrum is building over-the-air broadcast networks. Is that the path of the future? Time will tell. What I mean, do that, we think time is going to tell him, Brian? I, I think that is a very, very, very carefully constructed sentence that is meant to please the board, the shareholders, and also quietly admit to everyone that broadcast is on the way out. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I do know that uh, fast is fast, uh, 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 whatever, uh, ad-supported streams. Um, uh, uh, ATSC, uh, do you know what the body is that determines that? Is that a government U.S. body or international? I think it's a standards group. So, yeah, I okay. think the FCC is part of it, uh, but but also the television broadcasters. I often feel like my job is to uh, be dumb. 
uh, it's a good job to have. Uh, but but uh, basically, this and my standard, job is to anticipate what question you will ask me and not know the answer to it and do fast research to answer it. Oh, so I, I will try to get you a better but, a better but, answer. But basically, about that. as as I understand it, the the idea it's a here, nonprofit organization uh, developing voluntary standards. Okay. Uh, but uh, specifically, this is for, uh, let's say you have a cabin in the woods, you have no internet, you you don't have a satellite dish, you don't want to pay for satellite mm -hmm. anything or whatever, you are... I, no, I think ATSC3 needs, at least for the interactive stuff, is going to need an internet connection to send that's, your... That's inputs. what I was wondering. Like, if you have internet, any level of internet... Uh, well, I guess I guess if you have highly asymmetrical, let's say you have dial-up, <laughs> you have your V90 modem, uh, and 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 you're getting uh, 54k or uh, whatever, uh, uh, you, you can at least request send me a picture of the behind the scenes of the director. Yeah. Your doing clicks, this. your yeah, clicks could go, and then you, then you, the 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 download is going to be high bandwidth because it's broadcast, right? I think that if we were having this discussion five years ago, there would be many, many very good examples I could come up with for why you would want or need this to be supported more. Uh, as, as we were talking about before the show, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg thing where it's like, well, if everybody's supporting it, then people will use it, but people don't want to support it until everybody wants it. Um, but I mean, we're living in, in kind of a, a, a nearly, and I don't want to offend anybody here, we live very close to a post-scarcity universe of internet bandwidth. Now that, that there are satellite options that are quite good, uh, there, there, there's, there's uh, you know, LTE options and, and, and on and on and on, 5G, uh, uh, wired, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, the argument for making this universal gets very, very difficult in my mind, and I can't uh, we've talked before about the difference between convenience versus fidelity. We're a show mainly about the convenience of watching what you want, when you want, on whatever device you please. We understand the value of fidelity for people who want their Dolby Atmos home setups with the 4K and the, uh, 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 what's the thing that makes the rich colors? HDR. And, um, mm. uh, but uh, I don't know. This seems like, it, it seems like it's never going to go away but I, I think it'll remain fringe forever. Now, I, I'm not surprised to see people championing ATSC 3.0 in our chat room, uh, claiming that OpenBio is saying that ATSC 1.0, uh, that ATSC 3.0's advantage is that you can get it while moving. Um, I know you can get ATSC 1.0 while moving, uh, just like you can get radio while moving. Um, but OpenBio is saying that's not right. That you need to be stationary. I've used TV well, no, no, while moving. Well, pick, but pick, maybe picture the, van life, right? Like you're in a different place every single uh, night. Yeah, but ATSC 1.0 and ATSC 3.0 are, are the same. Uh, I, I think it means while you're actually in motion, and and maybe it's more stable. I'll, I'll buy that. Is that 3.0 might be more stable uh, while while moving than than 1.0 frequencies. Um, uh, Lon makes was saying, uh, that RV owners are excited because they don't have cable. So they're looking forward to these over the air options. Uh, but RV owners have mobile data, right? So they don't but, need to have, but cable. they could, they, they could have fast they could have, services. They could have data caps which would though. Be the like, uh, my, my yeah. in-laws spent two or three years in a, uh, RV park and they never they, they they never got to watch Netflix during that time because they had no ah, good. Okay. decent Un internet. Unsafe D 
NSAFE DB level uh, cleared it up for me. OFDM modulation scheme is better on ATSC 3.0, so you get less multipath distortion. Uh, that makes sense to me. 1.0, it can be used while moving, but you're going to run into more more signal irritation, uh, and and 3.0 uh, seems to get rid of it. So okay, that that's cool. You can you can watch the TV while driving, uh, and bandwidth. Over the air bandwidth is not so good that you can, you aren't going to be disrupted sometimes uh, while driving while streaming. It's gotten better, certainly gotten a lot better. But I mean, okay, it, I I watched a video while while on airplane Wi-Fi. Uh, right. I mean, so I mean, I, at, at this it, point, we're we're championing. Uh, no, people in motion deserve 4K, not good enough standard def or HD. But what about this? But well, what about this? We okay. gave them the towers. <laughs> we gave them the towers. Give us the damn thing for over the air. I'll buy an antenna. Give us the, you know? Well, I mean, why? What, what do you mean we gave them the towers? Uh, we, gave we, them we, we, the taxpayers, uh, paid for the infrastructure that the towers we, have. Uh, well, I, don't I, know I that we paid I, for the towers. I'm, I'm, we paid for the. We gave them the spectrum to broadcast on. Oh, in, in any there, case, there we go. This yeah. is a. This is a. a Which a, is also true of of mobile internet, by the way. It 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 just seems like a a, a public benefit being taken away. Uh, when it's I, like and, and and that's actually quite a good argument. There that, are plenty that, of low income folks who would love to know what is on the news. Cor uh, correct, and 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 you're a hundred percent right, Bryce. I've been making mainly a a practical branding marketing uh, framework, but there is an ethical framework to consider as well. Cordkillers at gmail .com. Please pipe in. Let us know. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I don't know that one. Hmm, I, I mean, I mean, there, there's, but mm. but at one, mm. I got I, I got things to say on that. Okay, what, go what for Price it. Yeah, yeah, said, no, uh, take which it away. is, uh, yes, over the air is free and ad supported with no ongoing charge. That that is the difference between the internet. You have to pay for the internet. I think for the vast majority of people, even low income people, they have an internet connection, probably on their phone, uh, probably a smartphone at, at base. Uh, but you know, the, the data is high there that isn't a hundred percent. So there is an ethical, uh, question of, okay, what about that admittedly small percentage of people who can't, who aren't going to afford an internet connection? Uh, and the fact that the spectrum is a public good, uh, and so should be used for that. I think that's fair. That's really not what this is about. That's mm. an argument for keeping ATSC 1.0 which is like, give them the news, give them public broadcasts uh, in good enough quality. Uh, and yes, maybe ATSC 3.0 down the road when they need higher quality video. Uh, but it's ATSC 3.0's argument is that we can do a lot of the things you can do on the internet over the air. Mm -hmm. uh, and my question is like, okay, yeah, eh, maybe we should do that for the sake of, of the small percentage of people who can't afford the internet. Uh, that's possible. Is it enough to justify the expense and if it's not, uh, why else would you do it? Man, the RV man. life is one that I've seen so far, but that's one I think is going to, the need for it is going to diminish uh, the better satellite coverage gets, right. not just mobile, but also satellite. Uh, you're going to have Starlink as, acting as backhaul for T-Mobile this year. Uh, and suddenly you're going to be able to get decent data anywhere you can see the satellite. So, you okay, you can't always see the satellite. Sometimes you're in the woods. Sometimes you're blocked by buildings. But the number of cases that are just going to get smaller and smaller to the point 
where again, you're going to have the question, does it justify the expense for the small number amount of usage that you get out of it? I think, I think you've talked me back, Tom, because like, uh, it's sort of like convenience, fidelity, choose a lane, pick one, you know, it's like, uh, you are definitely entitled to one or the other, let's say, uh, I know that's a loaded word entitlement, but, but let's say, let's mm. say you're entitled to know what's going on. Great. Convenience, check that box. Uh, are you entitled to convenient high fidelity? Um, and should everybody play ball in order to bring you the, uh, you know, quadraphonic hi-fi stereo vinyl experience because that's the very best way to experience Dark Side of the Moon? Uh, that's Hell, hard, we'll that's save data. Do. Not, don't even send color data, just black and white. You get the free, hey, it's, oh, hey, no, see, hey, it's and, a black and white. Hey, who no. needs high definition? 480p is plenty enough. You know what? More code, plenty just enough. learn it. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's, oh, God, you, you're pulling me both ways, guys. You know, are we progressing yeah. forward well, or? I don't know. I think, I think what's going on is that the emotional argument Mm. is strong to say, hey, but you have to pay for internet no matter what. You always, There's no free over-the-air internet. This is a free resource uh, that is ad-supported. Granted, it's not entirely free, but you don't, you don't have to be making an income to access it. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. On the other hand, uh, the logical argument is that, yes, but if no one takes advantage of that free resource or a small enough people that it is almost indistinguishable from no one. Is it worth doing? And my fear emotionally is that that's where we're headed. And that's why we're seeing TV makers drag their feet on implementing it. It's why some major markets haven't upgraded to ATSC 3.0 is they look at this and they're like, I just don't see a large number of people using this and the ad money is going to dry up. And if you have a small enough people amount of people using it, you don't generate the ad money that you need to run the broadcaster and the broadcaster goes out of business, then you have no free over the air broadcast anyway. You need you need a critical mass of people using it. We're, and we're kind of back to that uh, zero sum game that we were discussing in the primary target where it's like for every engineer you put on this project, that's not an engineer working on uh, high-end, high-bandwidth uh, interactive experience mm -hmm. for um, the majority of users. That's a cordkillers at gmail.com. Actually, what I would like to see to satisfy Bryce, uh, or Bryce's points anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I would never claim to satisfy all of Bryce. But Thank you, Tom. Uh, Please don't end. You can, I, I would never believe the, you could. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to satisfy that point is, what if you took that spectrum that you have given to broadcast television at some point, and I'm not saying we do this tomorrow, but at some point when it becomes clear, like, yep, it's just not serving anyone anymore. What if you take that and require a free public service internet broadcast using that spectrum? Yeah, and uh, uh, if you're, if you're going to have kind the government a, a create a monopoly on spectrum allotment, then it does make sense for that same government to take the lowest let's say 10% used bandwidth and as a rule debt repurpose it to something that will actually benefit more yeah, people. There's a, there's a lot of thought needs to be given into how you structure that because a lot of what the government has done to require like easy access to bandwidth uh, has been gamed by companies. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure I, I, I even love this idea because it's probably going to get gamed, but it would be the same thing as what you do with Spectrum right now, which is uh, a, a television station pays a, a small amount for access to the Spectrum. Uh, and then in return, they promise to, you know, do some public good 
with that spectrum, which is why you have public service announcements and right. and things like and, that. Uh, you know, uh, maybe there's alerts, a situation kind of like thing. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe maybe a better use is to tr- take that model and put it on the internet somehow. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. I like it. It's all about location. Apple has often released its movies into theaters, but usually for small runs, uh, independent theaters, uh, enough to get qualified for awards. They freaking won an Oscar, uh, not this year, but the year before. Bloomberg sources, though, say that Apple is working with studios to spend a billion dollars on major distribution. Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Ridley Scott's Napoleon, the spy thriller Argyle, all might get this treatment, though it's worth pointing out Scorsese has a distribution deal with Paramount because that's where that movie started. Uh, So this might not be part of the billion dollars, but uh, it's a plan that is being done more often by these streamers. Amazon also plans to spend around $1 billion on wide releases in theaters. Yeah, we talked a bit about this uh, around the release of Glass Onion, something that, um, uh, depending on how you squint, was uh, everything for, like, to be eligible for the prestige of uh, Oscar contendency or whatever, or uh, be an Oscar t- contender makes sense. But then you have Glass Onion, which is mainly a people pleaser that was released for a brief window around Thanksgiving. Uh, there's pandemic echoes and all that stuff. And I remember us talking about the possibility that it's like, Oh man, Hollywood people, they really like going down the red carpet and having all the people show up for the movie and, and uh, having everybody clap and stuff. Uh, and I was wondering if there would be creep for that. Now, we haven't seen that on Netflix yet, but this totally tracks. Like, if Netflix is hesitant about offering that experience to creators, uh, then that means somebody's going to fill that void, and it makes sense that it would be Apple. Yeah, I, I- I think it's interesting, too, that this isn't just for awards contention. This is for making money. Uh, So this isn't about the 90-day window or anything. Uh, This is like, hey, we think we could make enough money on theaters that it's worth spending money on distribution deals. And it will, you know, rising tide lift all boats, cause people to want to watch the movie when it does come out on streaming, because that happens, too. Yeah. Well, and, and like we've talked about, man, oh, man, I'm just so hungry for I want I want good movies every single week again. Those were good days. Apple, however, will no longer let you watch Friday Night Baseball unless you pay for an Apple TV Plus subscription. Last season, it aired the games for free with ads, whether you had the subscription or not. This year, Apple's going to make you pay, and there are still ads. Apple shows two live games every Friday uh, and will add the ability to swap audio out with your local radio commentators this year, so you're getting a little bit of an extra feature. Uh, But yeah, it sounds like the free streaming outside of Apple TV Plus was just to get people used to the idea. Yeah, that's uh, for people who are following us on Spoiler in Time. We've been following the NBC long-term documentary uh, Miami Vice, in which they explain the business model of the mm. first hit is free, and then after that you have to pay. And so that 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 makes sense. Yeah, I suddenly have a, 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 a image of Crockett and Tubbs pulling up at the Apple Circle. And, <laughs> They're pulling know. up. He's like, "There they go again." Steve Jobs is rolling <laughs> over his grave. Oh, come on, Tubbs. <laughs> Uh, here's some good news. Arrested Development was supposed to leave Netflix on March 15th, uh, but the departure has been averted. Netflix reached a new deal with Disney's 20th television to keep the show on Netflix. And Hulu is getting rid of its first three seasons. Hulu has had the first three seasons of Arrested Development, not the ones done for Netflix. Uh, So Hulu is going to lose those first three seasons, and Netflix will be the exclusive home of Arrested Development. Yeah. 
This uh, speaking of watching documentaries, this almost happened with uh, Lilyhammer. In fact, I think I think it was Variety when they reported on this said, "Oh, this happened with Lilyhammer too." And then at the last second, they saved it. So. Uh, yeah, you think it's a case of a little bit of a brinksmanship? I guess we see that all the time between local affiliates and cable companies. Yeah, especially especially for something like something as high profile as Arrested Development. One of the first Netflix shows, probably before they've got a sense of getting these exclusivity deals down. Well, and and Netflix already experienced the sting of losing. Uh, was it The Office or Friends or or was Seinfeld? I forget which one. I, but there, there's one. Oh, of them. I think all of those. Uh, uh, yeah, over over the time. So they so kept much. Seinfeld. They lost Friends. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah it makes it hold on to something. They Netflix. got Seinfeld <laughs> after they lost Friends. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. and the the other thing is Seinfeld is a Sony pick uh, property. They don't really have a streaming service to compete with Netflix. Uh, Arrested Development was a Fox property uh, when Fox, you know, had a portion of Hulu, but really wasn't interested in creating a Fox streaming service, which they still aren't. But then it got sold to Disney. And under Bob Chapek, they were going to claw it back. Under Bob Iger, they're willing to cash a check from Netflix to let it stay there. And even give up the Hulu exclusivity, which is interesting. Probably worth it. All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on. Brian, what you been watching? Hey, man, uh, uh, when I say the names Austin and Meredith Bragg, uh, does that ring any bells for you? You know anything about them? No. AKA the Bragg Brothers? Bragg Brothers. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, well, a uh, uh, long time ago, I want to say five five years plus years, uh, uh, I ran across a video with one very funny human named Andrew Heaton, and uh, he was appearing on screen, uh, and I kept on watching him, and I wrote him an unironic fan letter, and then I watched him, and there was another guy who just slayed me with his deadpan. Turns out that guy is... I'm pretty sure Austin. I, 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 that's the thing about branding yourself as the brothers anything. It's easy to get mixed up. Uh, but uh, uh, Austin and Andrew have been working together for a long time. I met Meredith, and they uh, make very funny videos together. But more importantly, Austin and Meredith, during the pandemic, created a wonderful movie that is so, so good. I watched it twice in 24 hours. It's called Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game. It's based on the true story of the guy who made pinball legal in Manhattan. He had to perform pinball moves for the city council who had made pinball illegal along with, I think, like 17 other cities across the United States because it was perceived as a gambling game and there was one simple question. Is this a game of skill or is it a game of chance? The movie itself is all about the one moment that that he won the hearts and minds of everyone. He made a called shot that is like, well, this is a game of skill. Hit that. And he hit the thing. And it made... Uh, New York folded and then everywhere else made it legal. They unlocked pinball for everyone. And the way they tell the story is an utter delight. They have the actual guy who uh, is both in a documentary style. And then he shows up like on set in the movie parts, looking at his younger self. And uh, there's wonderful byplay. It's light. It's funny. Um, uh, I think that's all I'm going to say about it. If you trust me, just dive in. It's great. I, I loved it. It's, I, I believe, PG. Uh, they, they almost, I will spoil one moment. There's a great moment where somebody is about to say, get out of here, you mother, f-, and, then, and then they freeze, and then it cuts to the documentary moment, and he says, hey, what, uh, what, what rating are you going for? And they're like, I don't know, PG, PG-13. He's like, so do you swear? And they're like, well, you get one. He's like, let's save it. And it cuts back to the movie. He goes, get out of here, you mother-loving weirdo. <laughs> it's just great. Where do you watch it? Uh, everywhere. You can either rent it for, what, three, four bucks or buy it for 12 or 14 bucks. That's what I did. 
Well, I would like to talk about two situations, uh, one of which I alluded to earlier today. Uh, I was watching a live stream video concert in our hotel when we were on vacation last week, uh, finished the entire, I think it was two and a half hours, something like that, concert, looked down and realized I had been on VPN the whole time. And I realized we have gotten to a world where not only can I go to Hawaii and get Wi-Fi in a hotel and watch a streaming video without interruption, but I can accidentally leave VPN on while doing it, and it all streams just fine. There, there's on top of that, there was a number of institutions that wouldn't allow me to use, um, uh, you know, both video streaming institutions and financial institutions that you would have to disable VPN. And increasingly, more and more of them seem to be chill with VPN. They seem to understand that yeah. some people want to secure their privacy. The, this one was on Weverse, uh, and they apparently were not worried. Uh, I mean, for one thing, they they sold the rights to watch the concert around the world, so it didn't really matter where you were, uh, whether you're using VPN or not. Uh, but but yeah, uh, I, I when I realized the VPN had still been on, I was like, oh wow, that should not have worked. Also, I was on hotel Wi-Fi on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, none of that used to to work. First time I ever went to Hawaii, I had to stop at an internet cafe to check my Yahoo baseball lineup. Uh, so we've come quite a long way. The second part of this story is that that was night one of the concert. Night two, I was on an airplane flying back from Hawaii to Los Angeles. And so on the Delta Wi-Fi, I thought, well, let's just see how bad it is. I watched the whole second night concert streaming video on my phone on the plane Wi-Fi. Is is it a case where this distributor is not like like uh, wasn't high profile enough for them to put it on the blacklist? No, there are a few million people uh, watching. They have upgraded the Wi-Fi on planes where you're allowed to stream video now. Uh, yeah, dude. It's uh oh oh. I just want to tra- time travel back twelve years when everybody <laughs> was worried about net neutrality, and I remember saying, pretty soon. Uh, it didn't take it. It wasn't as fast as I would have liked, but pretty soon all of this will seem so irrelevant. And I feel like we're entering that age. Yeah. They don't allow you to make video calls. That's the new, the new thing is like, do not make a video call. Do not do your zoom call, but that's not about bandwidth anymore. Right. That, that's, that's about, about disturbing the other passenger. Yeah. That's- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I, which I'm fine with. So anyway, um, you know, any, anybody else who, who watched the La Seraphim, uh, concert, uh, knows what concert I'm talking about. But even if you don't, uh, the fact that I was able to watch it over Wi-Fi, hotel Wi-Fi with VPN and then on an airplane, uh, I, I feel like is, is worth noting. That's a, you know, that's a check mark noting moment in the development of the internet. Uh, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, over the weekend, I had a chance to watch uh, the Best Picture and Best Director nominee, Tar, over the weekend. It's streaming now on uh, Peacock. This is uh, the story of Lydia Tar, a fictional but world-renowned orchestra conductor. Uh, Ahead of a big live recording and a book launch, Tar has to grapple with uh, some of the dramatic acts and some of the -the behind-the-scenes decisions um, that end up leading to a story about controversy, outcry, um, what is actually important in the world. I, I think it's good. It's a it's an interesting, dramatic watch. Um, there's a lot of really good suspense. Kate Blanchett is fantastic as Tar. Uh, and I think uh I, I think it does an interesting I think it's a it's a very just interesting 
thing to to look at from all angles, right? I've I've, I've heard it's very very good, and what's interesting is I heard it uh, that it's very good from somebody who I suspect that you would disagree with on virtually all spectrum on most spectrums. Uh, oh. uh, like like the, the fact that you said that it's interesting from all sides. Uh, sure. Because there's there there's an element, and part, partly why it's talked about is they're they're like if you squint at it, there's like a cancel culture facet to it. But that is a very small part of a larger controversy that brings into question, like okay, but like that video is edited, but that's not the that's there are other things going on. Right. Uh, the bigger question there. is uh, uh, is art so important that a tyrant should run amok on set and that that kind of stuff is or 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 more. So uh, okay. uh, check right. it out. It's right. called Tar. That's T-A with an apostrophe, or not an apostrophe, but an accent, R. Uh, it's it's streaming on Peacock now, but it's uh, just a film uh, out there in the world. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. And more importantly, when you send that email, you're going to need a computer. So do us a favor. Head on over mm-hmm. to doghousesystems.com slash rogue. Spell it right, R-O-G-U-E. And, you, and when you buy a computer because you are, because you need a computer, what, are you going to not have a computer? Get a computer. We're all Borg now. How are you going to email us? Did, how are you going to email us? You just going to shout from a rooftop? No, you're going to go to Doghouse Systems. You're going to get best-in-class service and excellent computers, and you're going to keep us in business. I want to see shows, Columba. Columbo. So when when you get Columbo. that PC in your house, you've watched Columbo. Columbo. Emailed us to tell us that you've watched Columbo. Columbo. Uh, the <laughs> next thing you're gonna do is fire up YouTube.com/slash/DailyTechNewsShow. Do you know uh, why, Brian? Uh, well, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Columbo. I'm somebody who likes my news. Columbo. Analog weekly, uh, mm. full of gossip and and. Written. (laughs) Would I be a good candidate for Daily Tech News Show? (laughs) Uh, Yes, you would. But uh, that's not why I'm telling you to go to the YouTube channel. I could just tell you to go to DailyTechNewsShow.com for Daily Tech News Show. Why, Brian, am I telling you to go to YouTube.com slash Daily Tech News Show? Do you guys have like a new setup that you're doing? Oh, we've got a new show. It's called Tom's Top 5. It's back. Five things to know about chat. GPT is up. Produced by Roger Chang. Hosted by myself, Tom Merritt. Uh, If you liked my top five at CNET or Tech Republic or Revision 3, you're going to love the new live, loud, and independent top five. Available at YouTube.com slash Daily Tech News Show. If you haven't subscribed, go do it right now. Oh, heck yes. So good. So good. Let's move on to the front lines. Let's. Front lines. U.S. FCC Chair Jessica Rosenworcel proposed requiring cable and satellite TV providers to have to advertise the total cost of services in their ads. That would include hidden fees like the broadcast television fee or the sports fee. Usually cable TV advertisers advertise a base price, $39.99 a month. Man, that's way cheaper than YouTube TV, right? The fees are then added on in the bill. Uh, Comcast's adds about $409 in fees a year to its advertised price. The proposed change was given to the other commissioners. No word on when it might get voted on. Man, uh, you know what? I wonder if it's fees, but not taxes. Do you think you're required to- I'm sorry, to- I said that wrong. $40, $40 a month. No, these are fees. Now, there may be some taxes in there. I'm not going to say there aren't, but the majority of them are Comcast has to pay ESPN. Right, So right. instead of including that in their- base price, 
they add on a sports fee or for the regional sports network or the money they pay to your local Fox station uh, for carriage. They will put that in the broadcast television fee so that they don't have to list that in the base price. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm asking is like as a teenager and I never looked up the answer because I'm lazy, but I always wondered why gas wasn't advertised as 89 cents a gallon plus three dollars of taxes or cigarettes were advertised for 89 cents a pack for plus four dollars of taxes. It would be it would be applying something to cable television that you don't apply anywhere else. When you when you go into a grocery store, they don't tell you that the local city sales tax uh at least no, in, that's not in the united states we don't have value-added tax so it's but they also don't hit different. you with uh with broccoli fees on the way out of the, the grocery <laughs> yeah, store that, that's true like and again <laughs> this is this is requiring them to put it in the advertisement this is they have to do it on the bill they already do it on the bill if right. you actually look at your bill you'll see all these fees so they haven't been hiding them from you at all, a hundred percent of the time, just before you sign up. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'll we'll see if that goes anywhere. Bloomberg saw month-old internal Netflix figures indicating around one million accounts have signed up for Netflix six ninety-nine a month ad-supported tier. That number does not account for multiple viewers on one account, so it's not the count of viewers, but only of subscriptions. Most ad-supported subscribers are new to Netflix, uh, not downgrading from their more expensive plans, which makes sense. I think that's why they were doing that. Yeah. The early numbers were that they were short, uh, so I think this is Netflix trying to get out there that they're 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 catching back up. Uh, they're not going to have to do make goods all the time. Fubo TV has dropped the TV from its name. It's now just called Fubo. Uh, co-founder and CEO David Gandler said in a statement, alongside our continued growth, our consumers have affectionately shortened our name to Fubo, and we feel that name represents the premium media brand we are today. Uh, to be honest, I think that's a smart call because at the very beginning, if you don't know what a Fubo is, you add the word TV so everyone knows what it is. And then when all of a sudden uh, everybody, like when when virtually nobody knows the difference between Fubo and Fubo TV, then why are you adding the word TV? It's not like we call ourselves Cord Killers live streaming platform plus podcast. Yeah. Follow us at Cord Killers uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we have shortened our name. What do you affect? Do they affectionately call it Fubo TV or they just lazily call it fubo uh i don't know i got whatever all i know is that they've earned enough marketplace uh, the real estate of the mind to just shorten a fubo and, and that's a smart move and gadget wait till they add a plus it's <laughs> recommendations for the best live tv streaming services it picked da -da 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 -da, youtube tv as the most well-rounded the best cable without a contract went to direct tv stream best live sports was given of course to fubo Silence. So Sling TV got a nod for being customizable, and Philo was the budget option. Uh, Philo is a fast one, right? A, a fast network? No, no. Philo, you, Philo, you pay for it. Just doesn't have all the the. It has fewer um, Op, uh, carriage options agreements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's like I want to say it's got. It did have like the Paramount stuff uh, and and maybe like the AMC stuff, but not Fox and NBC. It's uh, I these all track. The best cable without a contract is probably the hardest one to understand. That means if you want to have all the channels that you have on cable, but just get it over the internet, Directv Stream. It's gonna it's not gonna be the cheapest. Uh, it's gonna be the most expensive, but it will give you everything. Yeah, I was doing YouTube TV for a hot minute, but we went back to Hulu for for family stuff for those hard to reach channels. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. Uh, Frontier Internet is now bundling in YouTube TV. If you're a Frontier Internet subscriber, you can add YouTube TV for an extra cost, but it's $10 less a month than if you got it separately. Uh, oddly, if you're a Frontier TV subscriber, you can also add on YouTube TV at a $15 a month discount. Uh, Frontier had a partnership with YouTube TV before, but they were billed separately. You, you had to pay Google you, you got, I think, the discount, but you had to pay Google. Now it'll all be on the Frontier bill, uh, one charge, along with all the fees. Uh, YouTube TV also has a similar partnership with Verizon. Yeah, that all feels less weird now that we've seen it for so long with Amazon and uh, the add-on channels yeah. and through Apple and so on. Well, and I think this is interesting. It's there's there, it's sort of Verizon and Frontier admitting, uh, we'd love to continue to bundle in TV, uh, but people aren't buying it. They are, however, buying YouTube TV. So if we can bundle that in instead, is, sure, why not? In fact, is, we'll is bundle TV, YouTube TV with Frontier TV. Is TV the new landline? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> is that it's like kind of the like, new landline? Hey man, just just say you're getting cable. Whatever. We don't yeah. care if you ever hook it up or not. Just uh, get. We'll give you YouTube TV at a fifteen dollar discount if you say you get Frontier TV. You know what? I think I think buckle up. This is the first time we've really considered it. But I'm going to say we're going to see two years of people asking for just internet and they're going to be like landlines are out, but I guarantee you people are going to be trying to thrust cable cord killers at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Tom, we got a lot of them this week. Indeed. Anonymous writes, I work for a school and over the years we have moved away from cable companies in every classroom. But curiously, outside of a couple that have discounts for college students, there don't seem to be any streaming services that have offers for educational institutions. Are you guys or any listeners aware of any live TV streaming programs for news and local channels? Thank uh you. I'm, I'm not, and this is one that I, I wanted to kind of boost the signal because somebody out there probably knows something and they can write in. Although if I were to speculate wildly, which is my favorite thing to do, uh, it would be tougher to justify the ed educational benefit. Like with cable, you can say, you know, so the kids can watch uh, Discovery and Nat Geo and all those educational channels, whereas Netflix would be a harder sell for that. You can get news for free from the local news apps. Uh, so if you want your local news, go find the local news apps. Uh, they will, they, they exist and you can get local news. In fact, a lot of local news are showing up on places like Pluto, uh, and things like that. So news should not be a problem. Just, just go check. It may vary by market, but most of them have it, uh, local channels outside of news, probably, uh, I, every attempt to try to do that outside of a, a like a YouTube TV or something is, has, has fallen as far as I know. Uh, Daniel, but if anybody else knows cordkillers at gmail.com, uh, Daniel writes in saying, Hey, Tom, Brian, and Bryce, he asks, uh, uh, there's uh, Oh wait, <laughs> Tom, you take this. I think you had made a mark that, uh, I don't know what it means. Uh, Oh, he's recommending a service. He says it works with most of the major streaming services, HBO max, Paramount plus Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, prime TV, Peacock, Disney plus and Apple TV. Once you input a TV show that you want to watch, it will tell you which months to subscribe to each service and tell you how much money you are saving by just subscribing to the months you need to. Uh, this is at Axios, axios.com slash online dash streaming dash schedule dash subscription dash savings. Just rolls uh, off the but, tongue. Uh, this is new. This is not like Suppose TV. This is not like Just Watch. Uh, this is Axios's own uh, system that says, tell us what TV shows you want to watch and we'll give you a plan for when to subscribe and when to cancel. 
Uh, and I, if I were to make a guess, uh, this is speculation on my part, but uh, I, I assume that they get affiliate links or something. That's how they make money on this. Uh, this does not uh, probably, seem to be like a yeah. searching tool. Like there are there are a lot of shows that are not on here oh. that are streaming. So I think this is very much like these are the shows that are on today. These are um, the hot shows. You can uh, choose from those. So yeah, yeah, the shoes that are the shows that are not canceled or library shows. It's yeah, like it seems so, like so it's maybe, maybe this is a feature to bring us. more people into. Oh, you can you can search for, for the Last of Us, but what did you try to search for? Uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which are both. Uh, yeah, Seinfeld finished. isn't on there, so yeah, yeah this this is uh, this database is not comprehensive. But it does seem Good. to be for currently running shows. Just looking at uh, Open Bayou in the chat points out that uh, uh, they're probably not making money on this because of the way they do make money. Yeah. Oh, they, they, I'm uh, almost certain, having worked at CNET, that they're making affiliate link money. But I could be wrong. Maybe Axios doesn't do that. Uh, uh, if you work at Axios, uh, please uh, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Let us know. Russ from Houston, our boss, says, I feel that Marvel and Disney would totally have gone after the script leaker that we talked about last week, regardless of whether this was a phase one, two, or three movie. I don't think it has anything to do with perceived quality or whether the franchise is waning. This is about setting a precedent, just like defending a copyright. If you want to protect it, you have to actively fight to protect it. If it becomes the norm that these scripts are out in the wild, going forward, it could diminish the brand. The secrecy around Infinity War and Endgame was historic and is no comparison to Ant-Man 3, in my opinion. Now, Russ is doing something that a lot of people do, conflating trademark and copyright. You do not have to defend your copyright if it is registered. That's why you register it. Uh, trademark, on the other hand, you might lose if you're not out actively defending it because or using it. Uh, but, but copyright, if it's registered, you protect it. I still think Russ's point is well made, which right. is they want to discourage others from ever doing this to any of their movies, no matter what. Well, and, and also from a game theory perspective, if uh, uh, let's say they really do have a very, very important secret coming out and then they issue takedowns, then uh, the, it, it will it's not attract a lot of attention because people are like, well, they did that for Quantumania and there was nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John from Nashville says, Hey, all longtime listeners, first time boss. Oh, welcome, John. Uh, good to have you as a boss. I'm wondering if you can answer this because I'm having trouble finding any information. Last week, Bryce and Brian and a mysterious presence that sounded like Tom were discussing how the bankruptcy of Diamond Sports Group might affect Major League Baseball. But what about other league broadcasts by Bally? Here in Nashville, the Bally RSN also does NHL and NBA. Yeah, I intentionally left NHL and NBA out to keep it simple since it does seem like baseball is leading the charge on this. Uh, but it's probable that whatever happens for baseball would then also happen for uh, NBA and NHL. However, one wrinkle in this is that ESPN already owns the NHL streaming light rights. Uh, so if they were able to get their rights away from Bally or away from Diamond Sports Group, uh, then the NHL would be able to get rid of the blackouts. But they already have ESPN as a streaming partner, so they wouldn't need that part of the equation. Uh, well, you know what? We have another email, but we're going to save it for After Talk. After Talk, of course, is exclusive for our patrons, patreon.com slash cordkillers. We're going to talk about a really interesting idea from Sean the Dad. Ah, very good. Sean the Dad, thank you for that. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We are live on twitch.tv slash nightattack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will talk to you then. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? 
I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>